Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. no parking, or it's a very long sermon. <clears throat> there was no parking. How are you? Happy New Year. Great to have you in here. Folks upstairs, too, thanks for being an overflow. We appreciate that. I know it's uh, not quite the same, although there is heat upstairs, so not necessarily down here. Uh, gas company should come this week and hook up actual utilities to this building and that will allow us to have actual heat so if you know who to be mad at it's the gas company <laughs> they're the last the very last do you dance <clears throat> I mean like that kind of thing where you're not doing the steps but you're actually dancing like the music just gets in you and you go I've had a lot of grandkids at the house you know, they dance without the least bit of self-consciousness. <clears throat> it's not good, but it's fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes I think in the life of the church, we've been invited to dance in the joy, in the optimism, in the beauty of the gospel. And at best, we do the steps to the dance. And sometimes you can't even recognize the steps to the dance because it's a sad place and a depressed place and an overwhelmed place and a tired place. Amen? And we ought to dance. It ought to be a place of joy and freedom, a place where we live in the moment in such a way that when we walk in here week after week, we feel our hearts lifted, our souls lightened, we feel empowered, we feel joy, because that's what God intended for the community of faith to be, a place of renewal and refreshment, a place of redemption, a place of eternal optimism, not a place of positive thinking, but a place of eternal optimism, the real thing, rooted into passionate belief in how the world works. We kicked off a year ago, and I use this phrase a lot, a quote from Mother Teresa, none of us can do great things, but all of us can do small things with great love, and together we can do something wonderful. And I just think it's important on the first day of 2024 that we stop for a minute and we recognize that we have experienced this together. That in the last 12 months, something amazing has happened that people have come together, they've sacrificed, you, you have sacrificed, you've gotten involved, you didn't sit on the sideline, you jumped in. And in the course of this past year, we addressed some issues. Now, I don't know how many of you knew how many issues we had, but we had some issues around here. I will admit that we had put lipstick on the pig For those of us who have been into the more intricate spaces of this building and facility, right underneath the surface, there were issues. 
There was deferred maintenance. There were systems that were obsolete. We, we were so far behind code and the times, it was, it was kind of pitiful. Anything we wanted to do to make any simple improvement would always involve a chain reaction of 2,800 other things that needed to be done. We were in a situation. And by the way, research tells us that over the next 10 years, hundreds of churches in the United States will close because of one catastrophic system failure. That there's not enough reserves, there's not enough money to address the deferred maintenance that's going on in churches across this country. And there's one, there's one catastrophic failure from going, we can't catch up. We can't catch up. And together, you took it on. Decades of red tape, a financial need, all of that. How do you make a plan? How can you be comprehensive? What can we do? What can't we do? And here we are just 12 months later, and this facility, for all intents and purposes, is completed. That's a big deal. And that's not a big deal because we get to walk outside and go, look, although that's fun. <laughs> that's a big deal because our high school group can't fit into the space they had. They had outgrown it because we don't have enough facility to accommodate the ministries that were already happening on our campus because we're making an investment in the future because we recognize and see that together we don't want to leave the next generation without the hope of continuing to do effective ministry in this community and in this neighborhood. So thank you. Thank you. It's a demonstration and a testimony that none of us can do great things, but all of us can do small things with great love, and together we have done something wonderful, and I appreciate it very much. It also is convicting to me because the very next thing I think is this. I wonder what God wants us to tackle next. What does he want us to do? What other needs are there in this community? What other hurts are there? What other things are going on, problems within our society and culture that he would want us to band together to make a difference in? Because I believe that's the life of the community of faith. Amen? That's what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to change the world in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? All right. This is the first Sunday of a new year. The holiday was last weekend. You have no reason to be tired. You should have slept it off by now. So it is okay to pick up the... I want you to dance. You understand what I'm saying? I want you to get involved here. I want you to move a little. Feel a little. You know? Loosen up a little. Amen? Amen. That's so much better. So we're celebrating community. In fact, as staff went away in September and we prayed about 2024 and what that looked like and what we wanted to talk about, we felt the conviction that for this year we want to talk about community. And we're kicking it off with eight weeks talking about better together and what that means from the book of Ephesians. But this isn't going away. We need each other. We need community. I'm going to tell you this. Right here in this room there are lonely people. People who feel isolated, who, people who don't feel like they have good friendships and good connections.
people who have forgotten. Let me reminisce. When I was growing up in the olden days, you understand? We got up very early on Sunday morning and we went to church. We had church clothes. Anybody else grow up with church clothes? I don't have church clothes anymore, but I used to. And we arrived at church and we went to opening exercises. That was a time when everyone gathered in the sanctuary and talked about what they were going to talk about for the day. The weirdest part of opening exercises was the fact that if it was your birthday, you got to give money to the church. <laughs> what kind of a sad system was that? And you were so brainwashed as a child that you looked forward to it. Every church had bells and buzzers. One of the first things we tore out of this building when I arrived here was the buzzer. Buzzer, because somebody pushed the buzzer, which told us it was time to leave opening exercises and go to Sunday school. Everybody with me? We've already been at church 30 minutes. Sunday school for one hour. Then the bell rang, and you went to church, and the pastor preached at least 45 minutes, if he was wound up an hour. <laughs> then you went home, and you had a massive meal full of carbohydrates, followed by a nap. Anybody live this life? Yep. You woke up to get back to church at 4.30 because a series of events was taking place. Choir practice? Youth group, Sunday night church. I do not remember very many Sundays in my life that we weren't at someone's house. Where we weren't invited to lunch or someone was invited to lunch at our house or after church on Sunday night we were going to their house or we were going to meet at a restaurant. We hung out with people all the time. We don't do that anymore, do we? We don't do it anymore. The change in how we socialize, the change in how we connect, the change in how we hang out, it's left a lot of people isolated. It's just a lot of people without a network of friendship, without organic kinds of ways to connect. And the church is compensated by saying, get in a small group. Here you are in this, you know, anonymous crowd. And now we want to put you in a small group where you can be intimate. Go meet strangers and tell them your secrets. It, it's just awkward. And what we need is we need organic friendships. We need community. We need to belong to each other. We need to care about each other. We need to love each other. We need to know people's names. Last week, we had come and go communion. And I told the staff this week, we're never calling it that again. It is not come and go communion. It is personal prayer with a pastor. Because it means something to stand here and put your arms around a family and hear what they're going through and pray personally for them and pray over their needs. Because we don't just go to church together. We care about each other. We love each other. We're involved in each other's stories. We're involved in each other's life. Are we dancing that dance? It matters. Community is not just about being in proximity to each other. It's about sharing something in common. It's about having a common purpose and common goals. And we've demonstrated what can happen in this past year if we put our minds to it and we sacrifice and we get involved. But I think God is about way more than trying to get a building built. He's about connecting people in relationship. 
It's about creating a, a network where people care about each other and love each other and where what our gifts are are needed by people around us. Amen? Let's see where I am in these notes. I don't even know where we went. We'll talk about that. No. Paul writes this letter to the church at Ephesus, except he doesn't actually write it to the church at Ephesus. It's come to be known as the letter to the church at Ephesus, our Ephesians, but it actually was originally known as the letter to Laodicea. But even that was an inaccurate sort of moniker. It came in the second century because Marion decided that because he was from Laodicea, the letter was to Laodicea. But we, we sort of come to understand pretty quickly that the fact is it was to the whole area. That Paul, writing one of the four prison epistles, probably from Rome, probably around 60 AD in his first imprisonment in Rome, he's writing to this area that he spent such a significant amount of time in. He went on his second missionary journey, recorded in Acts 18, but he goes back on his third missionary journey, Acts 19 and 20, and he lived there at least two years, maybe three, in the city of Ephesus. He has deep, intimate connection with these people. And what makes this letter unique is it's one of the few letters Paul ever wrote that wasn't being written in reaction to problems in the context of the church. This letter is written to celebrate community life in the community of faith. And it's not written to one place. It's written to the whole area. And so as he describes what it's like to be a part of the family of God, he's, he's not talking to this group of people. He's talking to this group of people. And it's a big, big piece of writing. One of the things I recognize when we think about this is is if you and I are going to be a part of building great community, it's going to take sacrifice on the part of all of us. Amen? And I don't know how it's changed for you, but, but socialization has changed for me. It's changed for us. Because when I think about socializing now, my world is much smaller than it used to be. Anybody else like that? Like you can't ask me to go sit in a restaurant and order. That's a lot of work. Just bring it home. Anybody else like that? Just like, well, that's tough, man. I don't know. Like it takes all of your energy just to feed your own family. How could you think about hosting someone else? Just me? All right, here's what we're going to do. Next time we have an event here, and we say, come on, it's going to be great. I'm going to be looking for every single one of you. Because it takes some energy, doesn't it? To get involved, to get connected, to meet people, to get their names, to remember, to actually dance the dance of community. Not just take the steps, but to feel the joy of it and the connection of it and the purpose of it and the reasoning of it. Paul opens this letter in a unique way. He typically will do a prayer at the opening of it. He does his Thanksgiving and introduction, which is traditionally Greek. And then he will do a prayer in the opening, which is traditionally Pauline. In this letter, he postpones the prayer and inserts in its place a hymn, a song. It is one continuous sentence. It is the longest continuous sentence in all of Paul's writing from any of his epistles. It's 11 verses long held together with contingent clauses and participle phrases. 
It's one sentence. It's supposed to be set to music. His expectation is at the opening of the reading of this letter, they sing. They let the joy get in them. They feel it. I don't know, maybe they danced. You know, the rabbis danced with the Torah. Maybe Paul's trying to get people to dance with the joy of the gospel. Listen to what he writes and think about what he is intending for us as the community of faith. Ephesians 1.3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under Christ. In him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the will with the purpose of his will in order that we who are the, for the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believe, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Well, <clears throat> here's the thing. If you really want to celebrate the hymn, you're not supposed to pull it apart but we're going to, just a little bit, just a little bit. Number one, he says to them, you are a blessed community. Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Is that something that is a part of your demeanor? Is it something that's a part of your spirit or attitude? Do you... Do you reflect that? Does it bubble out of you? I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Now, I don't know about you, but I am very much focused on what God has not yet done as opposed to what God has already done. Anybody else? And what I find is there is always something that God has not yet done. And if I were to say, you know, what percentage of my spiritual energy is focused on what God has not yet done on where I feel disappointed or where I feel let down or where I feel afraid, I spend a lot of time over in that realm asking God to fix it, asking God to intervene. And, and thankfully, God is so sympathetic and invites me to bring that to him. But at some point, I also have to celebrate how I am blessed. Amen? I also have to spend some time over here and think, listen, I know there's a lot of things over there that aren't done yet, but I know there's a lot of things here that God has done. And isn't it interesting that when I look in retrospect at my life, I can see how God has providentially done so many things and blessed me in so many ways, but when I look to the future, I can't see a way forward. <laughs> and somewhere I ought to learn a lesson. 
He's taken care of me. He's blessed me. He's helped me. I don't know how that's going to get fixed. And sometimes it doesn't all get fixed. Amen? <laughs> sometimes he says, nah, I'm going to give you the grace to get through that. But at some point, isn't the community of faith a place where we recognize and celebrate the blessing? I mean, don't we want to be a part of that? You do realize that the early church, they didn't talk about evangelism. Like they didn't have a program, you know, they just had excited people. They had just formed a community that loved each other in such a way that people walking by were like, I've, I've never seen people act like that. I've never seen them get along like that. I've never seen them happy like that. I've never seen them celebrate. I've never seen them dance like that. I'd like to be a part of that. Can I come in? Well, yeah, okay. What does the scripture say? What does the book of Acts tell us? Hundreds were being added to the fellowship daily. Why? Because of a program? Oh, no, because they were dancing. People are walking down the street going, I'm getting in that. <laughs> I'm going to be a part of that. We've never seen a community like that on the face of the planet. Not ever. Not in the history of human beings have we seen people love each other and be unselfish like that. Not ever have we seen anything like it. They stand in for each other. They support each other. They carry one another when some of them can't. There's a sense of joy in there. They're not all okay all the time, but, but they're celebrating the blessings of God together and they're helping those that aren't there right now and, and these are rejoicing and these are mourning and we rejoice the ones that rejoice and we mourn. That's what the community does. Amen? Amen. Don't walk in anonymity from each other. They get to know each other. They celebrate the blessings. Number two. It's a pure and blameless community. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Well, one of the reasons they're happy is because they got good news. These Jewish folks over in Jerusalem and these Gentiles out there in the greater community have been living under the constraint of trying to earn their way to God. They've been working with all of their might to earn their way into some relationship with God. And Paul comes along and preaches a gospel about a God who chose them before the creation of the world. How liberating is that? And what do we do with it? We take it immediately. And we turn it into navel gazing. How am I doing? I don't think I'm okay. I better fix that. I got to fix that God. Oh, I don't think God I better not pray this week because I'm not having a very good week. He chose us before the creation. And listen, if you're trying to figure out, are we going to have a talk about Calvinism and Wesleyanism and Armenianism? No, we are not. Calvin said, I don't understand why I got saved and other people didn't. God must have done it all. Everybody with me? Yeah. This is a very simplified version of the explanation of all of this theology. I don't know why I got saved. God must have done it. Wesley came along a hundred years later and said, I'm within a hair's breadth of believing everything Calvin ever said. But I think his Holy Spirit frees us to make a choice. If you read the Bible, you'll find Johannine theology says, whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But if you read Paul, he'll talk a lot about predestination. I don't really care. <laughs> I don't. And here's why. Paul is writing this letter to this group. He's not writing this letter to this group. And he's saying, you were chosen. 
before the creation of the world, to be blameless and righteous before him. You didn't earn it. I think we can all agree. It is about the grace of a loving God that when we ask, he forgives us and cleanses us. He has determined. You don't earn it. We respond to God in love. We, we walk in obedience because we believe it's healthy for us. Amen? Amen? It's better for my inner world to do the right thing. Better for my relationships to do the right thing. And somewhere that joy's got to get in us. We can't be that community of people who are going, oh, I'm trying to get it right. Pastor preached today and made me sad. <laughs> or heaven forbid, good sermon today, Pastor. I feel real bad. You're doing your job. Way to go. I've had more than one person leave this church and say, you know, Pastor, you just talk so much about love and grace, it can't be right. You know, people should have fear in them. Well, I think we all naturally have some fear in us, don't we? But I'm pretty sure what Paul says is you were chosen before the creation of the world to be righteous and holy. We ought to, we ought to just go, thank you, God. Thank you. I'm going to go live it, but thank you. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to measure myself. In love, he predestined us to adoption, to sonship through Jesus Christ, with the courts, with his pleasure as well. He's made us family. He has made us family. I don't know about you, but family's a weird thing, isn't it? Because, I mean, if you're really blessed as a family, then... Everybody kind of gels well, you know? But I don't know of any families that doesn't have some folks in it that are just odd. <laughs> no? Yeah. Are you the odd one or you have a family? Oh, you're the odd one. <laughs> but we're family. One of my uncles passed away this week. He was the uncle that... I think for my entire growing up year, our interaction was he had me in a headlock. <laughs> Did anybody have an uncle like that? He would be like, here's a new way to hurt you. <laughs> Hi, how are you? And like he would stick his finger in the side right under your ear right there and go, hey, does this hurt? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> How he showed love. <laughs> Just, you know, we're family. Are some of us weird? Absolutely. Do we kick people out for being weird? Oh, no. It's part of the family. We're just part of the family. We belong to each other. We, we, we have the same... He's not content to say, just go to church together. He's saying... You have been adopted as members of the family. You have now a new father. And it makes you responsible for one another in a unique way. Unlike anything else on the face of the planet, this community of faith where we dance the dance of the joy of the gospel and our joy for love for each other. I don't know. There's not much time to criticize one another in this community. It's a community of the redeemed. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. God's response to your brokenness and mine is grace. 
And because his response to your brokenness and my... And I was thinking about this when we think about the family thing. I wouldn't have adopted me. <laughs> Anybody else feel like that? I just wouldn't have taken me on. I just would have been, you know, at the pound and I would have gone, nah, that one's... Yeah, that one's got some issues. I don't think we want to adopt that one. We're not taking that one home. Anybody know what I'm saying? But God somehow adopts us as children into his family. And how does he treat our brokenness? He lavishes grace on us. We We don't offer ourselves nearly the kind of grace God offers us. And we certainly do not offer each other the kind of grace that God offers us. Amen. I don't know if you know this, but 2024 is an election year. (laughs) Are we going to lavish grace on each other? Are we going to burn down the house? I told you last election cycle I had. (laughs) Are there other conversations going on in the room? Something flash on the screen? I don't know. Four years ago, we were in an election cycle. I had a pastor, one of the pastors I mentored, called me. He called me, the, he called me the week after the election on Tuesday. And he said, well, how do you think I ought to address this election issue with my congregation? I said, it's a little late. <laughs> Amen? Amen. We, better, we better buckle up now, get mature right now. Decide we're going to love each other right now. Because I don't know if anybody's told you this yet. Salvation will not come from Washington, D.C. Not from either side of the aisle. And so what do we do with the brokenness of people around us? What do we do with the weirdness? What do we do when we differ from the people that are now part of our family? Because sometimes family are weird. We lavish grace on them because that's how God treats us. And does that mean we just practice an antinomialism? Do you guys know that word? That just means we have lawlessness? No. Because why? Because we're all pursuing one father. We're all just pursuing one father. And we trust that the father, you know, he's not going to discipline all of us at the same time. But eventually all of us are going to the woodshed with him. Is that too euphemistic? Is that like something they did in Texas, but they don't do anywhere else? (laughs) You know, I told you that story about being in church all the time. You know, we used to get disciplined in church. Anybody else get disciplined in church? It was a, you know, it was a subtle reality. A hand would come over and pinch you. (laughs) And God forbid you make a sound. Because then you were going outside. That right there in church, you know, tighten right up on you. We're all being disciplined by the Father at just the right time. And we trust the Father to do the disciplining. We don't try to discipline each other because disciplining siblings, disciplining one another doesn't go well, does it? (laughs) No. We trust the Father. We trust the Father. It's a community of understanding. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the time reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things under heaven and on earth. 
You and I have been gifted with a wisdom and understanding that says God is in control and it's going to be okay. It's coming together, not falling apart. Now, I don't know where else you're going to hear that, but it will not be on the news. Amen? It will not, there's no place except under the gospel of Jesus Christ and under the power of God where we can look at each other and say, he has infused you with a wisdom and an optimism, not because you have positive thinking, but because God's in control and the promise is at the right time, he's bringing it all together. Amen? And Paul says, that's what binds you as a community. That's why you're different. Because these other people are arguing about that and they're fighting about that and they're worried about that and they're looking at that. You understand this broad audience that, that Paul talks to. I mean, all different religious backgrounds, all different political persuasions, all different perspectives on the Roman Empire, all different perspectives on what's happening in the world. And he looks at them and he says, listen, what makes you unique as a community is that you have wisdom and understanding that God's in control. And you live like it and you talk like it and you act like it. And it's not just about you and your politics. It's about your family. It's about your children. It's about your children's children. It's about the grace of God that follows us every day of our life and works for the good. Amen? Amen. In all things, he works for the good, for those that love him and are called according to his purposes. If God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up, how will he not also graciously give us all things? We are more than conquerors through him who died for us. Do we live like that? Do we talk like that? Do, is that the conversation that happens around our dinner tables? Is it the conversation that happens between us in community? Man, this is, this is a place where we don't just say the words. We dance the dance. We get the music in us. It takes us over. It's a place of joy and celebration. Number six in this passage, we're not taking apart. It's a community for the praise of his glory. Why do we do this? To celebrate certain people. No. Why do we do this? To elevate people. No. We come together as a community for the praise of his glory. We know it's not about us. It's not about, we're just passing through. Amen? We are stewards for a very short amount of time. Our, our grandkids are in town. I've been in town for this season and we were walking around Montrose the other day. And so we came to the vacant lot by Anderson's Pet Store. You guys know where the vacant lot is? It's a parking lot. It used to be a movie theater. How many of you were around when it was a movie theater? Nice. We live in the house the family that owned the movie theater lived in for many years. Only three families have lived in the house. We're just the third family. And, you know, so I was just telling the kids about it. You know, there's a movie there. They lived in the house. And, then they, and you know what thought I had? I wonder who's next. I wonder who will be the fourth family. Because we're just passing through, amen? And we're here for the praise of his glory. We're not here about our own stuff. We're not here about our own businesses. We're not a, we've got to do all that stuff. That's necessary, isn't it? You've got to do it. But it's not what we're about. It's not our purpose. We are here to do something that honors him and praises him. Number seven, it's a community that shares an inheritance. You were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. You were marked with him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who's a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. It just means this. We're a community that doesn't have to worry about our future. We just don't have to worry. There's a giant trust fund. 
<laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> and why does he say all of this? Why does, he, why does he write this hymn? Why does he pull it together this way? Because what he wants to say to these people is, you go be free. Unburden yourself so that you can dance the dance of community, of joy, of celebration, of what the very best of life can look like. Engage yourself. Throw yourself into it. Take a chance. Put yourself out there. Get to know somebody. Get connected to somebody. Be a part of a community of faith. We need... I had a whole article in there I didn't read to you about why community is so vital to, to mental health. Did you know it's vital to mental health? <laughs> Don't you think that the church of Jesus Christ ought to be the most loving place on earth? That you ought to be able to walk in the doors and feel a sense of relief, a sense of peace, a place where we get renewed and refreshed, we get reinvigorated to go live the life that God has invited us to live? Listen, None of us can do great things. But all of us can do small things with great love. And together we can do something wonderful. And I wonder exactly what it is that God has in mind for us to do. Whatever it is, will you be willing? Will you show up? Will you make some sacrifices? Will you, will you, you know, when it's Thursday night and they're having another thing over at the church, will you, instead of saying, I don't want to go, I'm talking to myself now. <laughs> Well, you say, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm not only going to go. I'm going to go with a good attitude. I'm going to go. I'm going to be the, I'm going to go and dance. I'm going to dance the dance. Not just the steps. I'm actually going to dance. Let's pray. God, thanks. We're so thankful for the miracle in which we stand today. The reality of what has happened, what has changed the financial sacrifice of the folks that are in this room and will be in the room later and we're in the room earlier and those online, we're thankful. We're amazed. We know we're not done. We know it's not all set. It's not all paid for, all those other goals that we have, but, but we want to stop and say thank you. We want to stop and recognize what has happened together as a community. It's a miracle. And we want to walk around this place with thankfulness, with celebration, with joy, but we also want to see the incredible potential of what's next. Would you mold us now into the community of faith you have dreamed for the church to be? Lead us. Guide us. Allow us to, to experience the peace and the joy of what it means to be free. Free by your grace and by your love. We thank you and we honor you and we pray it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said together. Let's stand and you can dance a little. Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.